You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hey, what's up, Internet? It's been a long time. It's been a couple of weeks, but we're here. It's Brandon. And it's Kyle. And we are drinking bourbon. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers, man. Mmm. That's tasty. Way to kick off Thanksgiving, right? That is right? tasty. Oh, yeah. That is tasty. And I'll tell you what, it has been crazy. We haven't had a show in weeks. Craziness. Almost today, there was not going to be another show. Mm-hmm. I was going to come on by myself. I think you're here because you felt <laughs> sorry for me. You look so sad. I think, you said, yeah. I think I had to do a show by myself today. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we were just eating lunch, and <laughs> I was depressed that I was going to have to do a show by myself. And Kyle Ebersol, designer at Leap Frame, said, it's okay, buddy. I'll join you. Well, to be honest, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the bourbon. <laughs> Nice. That's good. So uh, just just a couple quick updates before we get into the show. Uh, you guys are probably happy that we even have a show right now. So uh, <laughs> it's been crazy, but just a couple updates. Um, I posted something on Twitter. Things have been really busy for the FDB guys. Alex is on a feature film right now as uh, a camera operator. So he is working crazy hours, and he's on for like, you know, two months or whatever it is so he has been like absolutely unavailable uh and i over at Leapframe, we've just been really busy there's been a lot of projects that have come in towards the end of the year and it's just chaos so um as you know work comes first and we've been getting into those sorts of things but we have some solutions we have some ideas moving forward how to deal with things as we get busy um to allow the community to thrive because again we started this because we really wanted to connect with the filmmaking community so we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second but i am excited that kyle ebersall is on the show this is your second show i know it's been a while man how you been doing pretty good doing pretty good so uh it's thanksgiving Mm -hmm. we're post political season Oh, God, yeah. I'm not going to get into politics on the show, <laughs> but um, I guess in general, like, how are you feeling going into this holiday season? Like, you know, it's I think the whole world is sort of like, what's going to happen next? Flipping, um, and so, again, not to get political, but like, you know, what's your mindset going into this Thanksgiving versus past Thanksgivings? Well, I mean, a little nervous going into the, the family settings, <laughs> I think, <laughs> as most of America is, you know. Mm-hmm. Looking out for different views and different uh, sure. standpoints, but I, I I tend to just drink a little bit more and just <laughs> sit back, nice, and just watch the fun happen. So yeah. I think one of the things that could actually save us all this year is film. There you go. So do you guys have any? Does your family have any traditions at Thanksgiving or anything that you guys always watch every year at around the holidays? Or I, I know I, our family has a couple go tos, but what about you? I'll tell you what, we don't have. A tradition, okay. But I, I do imagine there's one thing we'll probably be watching. <laughs> I might catch a little flack for this. All but, right. Uh, the, the new Gilmore Girls are coming out. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> this great. Week. That's great. And my mom loves Gilmore Girls. When I was in grade school, uh, she would be watching that every day I came yeah. home. And uh, now the new seasons are coming out. That's great. We got, we got to watch them. Honey. You know, uh, I think it was a past episode. It was either Bart or Adam that said they were getting real into The Good Wife. 
It was either Good Wife or Gilmore Girls. Was it Good Wife? It was the good. It was Adam. So Adam, <laughs> Adam. Uh, I don't. I don't imagine yeah. other people would be watching the Gilmore Girls. Yeah, so. Adam over at uh, Sound Images is real into the Good Wife. Um, so, but the Gilmore Girls. That's. I mean, people are into that show. They like it's, it. I mean, what is it that people like about it? I, I've never seen it. It's. It's the, it's the back and forth, really. Okay. I mean, it's the writing's solid. It's about absolutely nothing. Is it a mom and a daughter? Is it mom and daughter okay. and kind of their adventures? Single mom, you know, sure. taking over the Going world. Going on dates. Yeah. Dates. Daughter. All that stuff. Okay. Daughter, uh, mother drama and relationship stuff. All that fun. Sure. It's kind of like it has the pace of like a West Wing. Yeah. But without any of the content. So huh. if you don't want to follow any of the legal crap. But you like that back and forth, that quick things. Sure. Plus, it's kind of they, they shoot in this amazing town. There's a bunch of quirky little qu- characters that are all part of the small town. And you can even see their lives grow. I'm excited <laughs> to see what they do in these. Man, but they're doing who the weirdest thought? thing is instead of doing a whole new <laughs> season, they're doing four movies. Basically, they're like hour and a half episodes. Sure. Which I keep seeing this pop up. Is this up on more Netflix? More. Yeah, Netflix. Okay. You know, I do find that interesting. Let's let's keep on this topic. Uh, I want to push it towards this idea of. Content can die in one place and be resurrected somewhere else these days. Back in mm-hmm. the day, if a show got canceled, it was kind of, that was it. But nowadays, these online distributors are saying, well, okay, if you want to cancel that show, that's great. It seems to have a pretty big cult following. We're going to pick it up for pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Boom. You've resurrected a cult following, and now Gilmore, Gilmore Girls is on <laughs> Netflix and has like this whole thing, right? It does. I mean... So I mean I think there's that's interesting that never before has thing has that ever been able really to happen. I think it's kind of a positive and a negative. It depends on the situation. I, I love it when they have the same direction, same cast, same yeah. directors, all that, all the the same push. It's nice, but there there are cases where they pull in you know new directors mm-hmm. or new writers. It takes and, a life of its own, and it kind of does its own thing. I mean I don't know if you follow Black Mirror at all, but. They kind of did that. I've thought about jumping into that. It's you can only watch like one at a time. Okay, it just ruins your life. But, All right. Uh, they, I, I still like their new season that Netflix re- released. Yeah. But it definitely took a different spin. It was a different yeah. little. Wasn't thing. that a British show? Yeah. Okay. Was, I think BBC originally. Interesting. Um, All right. Cool. Cool. Well, we're not as like you know maybe not as poppy at the Ferris House. We've got a couple. <laughs> what are your traditions? Well. <laughs> I got the kids. This is not, this might be a new tradition, but ever since we went to Universal, the kids discovered Simpsons Land. Oh, but yeah. they when we were at Universal, they didn't really understand it or know what it was because okay. we haven't really watched The Simpsons. And so I turned on an episode of The Simpsons that was on Hulu, and it opened up, and it was uh, the Simpson family picking out a Christmas tree, and out pump pops the uh, the the clown who's like a, a bad guy. Krusty. No, not Krusty, the other guy, the gesture guy with the... Oh, yeah. I yeah. About. Him and, like, two other people, the, the leprechaun and somebody else who had a vendetta against Homer. And then Maggie pulled out a machete and cut their heads off, and they're <laughs> bleeding. And I looked at Nash, and Nash, my son, my seven-year-old's looking at me with giant eyes like, should I be watching this? <laughs> and then I was like, maybe we should watch the original episodes that were a little more tame. So we bought not season... Always. Yeah, but we bought season one... Um, so I was like, let's, I was like, we can't watch like episode 600. We got to like start from zero. So we watched episode one, the Christmas episode where, uh, the dog, the failed dog track dog becomes their pet. And so the kids are loving it. So we're watching all the original Simpsons, That's awesome. uh, which got, you know, a little weird when, you know, you get to episode three and Homer wants to kill himself. 
and then uh turns out he somebody's speeding he saves his family and then his whole like plot in life is to put uh safety signs around the town but then ultimately he becomes the safety coordinator for the nuclear power plant so <laughs> it's been a lot of fun to like watch it with nash the seven-year-old and kind of like have to explain something so so that's been interesting but we always at at sort of thanksgiving like right at the onset of the christmas spirit we typically you know you've got your charlie brown thanksgiving situations going on but we usually watch almost always um jack skellington and the nightmare before christmas oh yeah so it's that beautiful threshold of you know it's kind of christmas it's kind of halloween it's in the middle and so it's a great movie to kick off the holidays i think it's one of the best what do you think oh mm -hmm. it's a classic definitely a classic uh i think that if they turn that into a musical it would be a sellout and it'd be the highest the highest grossing musical of all time uh you you agree with me in there bart you agree with that (laughs) yeah i would say i would say so um so anyway so that that's a tradition and what else there's another uh well we always dial up the home alone's yeah, that's good. I mean, those are, are, it's are a little actually Thanksgiving centric like things. I don't know if there's like any good movies really. you can call out. They're all kind of like usually Christmas. Yeah, but at Thanksgiving you kind of want it's okay to watch Christmas movies well, yeah, at definitely. Thanksgiving. You're building up the anticipation. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, what about what about what else have you been watching? You got any other any TV shows aside from Gilmore Girls that you've been into? <laughs> no, you're a West a Westworld guy, right? No, actually, you we, we talked about it. We did for talk. A while. We theorized. Even though, though. Yeah, even yeah. though we don't really watch a lot of it. Okay. I mean, you watched a decent amount. I watched. Of no, I watched one episode. No, <laughs> we shouldn't talk about. Well, this I watched a half of episode <laughs> because my wife was like, "This is dumb." <laughs> She's like, "This is dumb," and I was like, "Oh, well, this is no fun to watch." And then I like turned on a documentary. That's what it, usually what happens is if I'm not enjoying a movie with somebody, if it's just me, I'm going to watch a doc. Yeah, so my my, I, I've only watched like behind the scenes things and mm. some breakdowns of Anthony Hopkins acting gotcha. in it, which is pretty interesting. So, so you, I don't know much. Yeah, do you find yourself watching? the additive content sometimes and never watching the actual content because you're interested in how they depends you on the want movie to be a, or the, you want to be a show, part of the yeah, conversation yeah. but maybe you don't have time to invest yeah. in the in the real thing well especially when it's something more visually interesting or yeah. technically interesting or like weird theory stuff like westworld gets a lot of that like artificial like right, right. reality theory and is that's what we were, that's yeah. really what we were talking about is right. like is it is a real place or is it what's the comment they're making there and that's that's kind of where i find myself like gotcha trying to see what what comment they're making but you that, you yeah. mentioned black mirror do you is that is there any other shows like you're all in right now like oh dude i can't wait yeah, to finish I'm this all in. huh most of the shows i've been watching them wrapped up but i did i mean for a movie i watched recently um have you seen kubo and the two strings no i'm bringing a lot of like <laughs> I like it. <laughs> not not too many manly things to the <laughs> table here, but it sounds the title sounds great. It's a, it's a like a movie. It's one okay. of the stop motion ones, but those are just like crazy impressive. That right. one has like a ninety seven percent Rotten Tomatoes, and it. All right, what's it about? It's about this uh, little kid that has like this guitar, this banjo, Japanese like banjo guitar. Yeah, and he can do magic, and his magic is all dealing with like origami. He can fold paper into different Wait, you're not things. talking about the big animated movie that was out. It is animated, but it's stop motion. Wait, is it the... It was a big... There's a Beatle. It was a big like, film that came out recently, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I have not seen it. My son saw it, and he loved it, and he said, Dad, I think you'll really like no, it. No, you would love it, yeah. 
Yes. Really good movie. It's, and it's just unbelievable to see what they can do with stop motion now. Okay. And, I mean, this one's breaking all the realities. Because usually when you think stop motion, you think like a tabletop setup with like little yeah. miniatures. But they're literally making like 18-foot like awesome things in this one to film, which almost breaks all the rules of stop yeah. motion. Like, why, sounds, why would you do yeah, that? Yeah. That sounds great. So yeah. that's on my list as well. We just went and saw uh, – so my daughter had her first date. Oh, yeah. She's 13 years old. She's 13 years old, and she was asked to the movies to go see the new Harry Potter spinoff. So wait, did you guys go with her? We did not. Okay. We, we, well, she doesn't drive, nor does oh, this well, kid. Nor does this kid. Uh, so we took her to the movies, but then we went and saw a different movie and just kind of like played it cool, let her have her space, <laughs> that sort of thing. So, uh, but I did interrogate the guy. A little bit, a little bit. It wasn't like it wasn't like Trump interrogation. It wasn't like good old boy dad interrogation. Did you pull out your prop guns? No, but it was uh, more or less like cultural interrogation. So he sits down. I'm like, hey, what's going on? You know, and I'm cultural like, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, uh, greatest movie of all time, go. And to my surprise, this kid says, Goodwill Hunting. Wow. All right. To which I say, okay, that's one for you. Plus one. I go, okay. I say, how do you feel about superhero movies? He was like, love them. And I was like, you just lost that point. I was like, you're back to zero, son. <laughs> and then I was like, worst movie you've seen to date. And he was like, oh, Superman versus Batman. I was like, you are back in the game, my friend. And he's like looking at me like I'm crazy. And then I switched to music and I'm like, what about music? He throws out Jeff Buckley. I'm like, all right, you're in the game again. And I said, how do you feel about jay-z he goes oh i hate rap and i was like oh man you may have crossed the line and not been able to come back so anyway kind of had some fun with them they went their way whatever we come full circle uh we decided to go see i'm gonna come back to that story of cultural i'm gonna bring it back (laughs) i'm not tangent uh they go to see that we go to see arrival okay the new movie with um the guy from hurt locker and the girl from the princess movie the redhead. Yeah. What's her name? Not Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was actually pretty good, except for the ending. Uh, and I'm not going to give it away, but basically this amazing movie about this lady who's a linguist. She's trying to communicate with aliens who touch down. The world is freaking out. What do we do, these aliens? Um, and then it, the movie comes full circle at the end, and it would have been a great movie, but then uh, Jeremy... What's his name? Who was in Hurt Locker? Uh, whispers something. Reiner. Yeah, Jimmy. He whispers something into to her ear that, in my opinion, is ridiculous. And it was just the lamest line. Wait, he said that. I thought the yeah. alien said it. No, he said that. And it was just a <laughs> cheesy. So it was a cheesy line. And uh, I'm just gonna say he. Should I say it? Should I tell people? Yes. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> So he ends this movie pretty much. The last thing I remember about the entire movie is him saying to her, "Want to make a baby?" <laughs> See the funny thing. That's why. That's <laughs> why I wanted it. you to say this. Is Want to make when a you baby? Explain it to me. I thought you were saying that was what the aliens no, were trying to no, communicate no, 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 to no, Amy no, Adams. No, 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 and I literally told everybody no, I knew, no, "Don't go see this." No, movie. sorry, sorry, sorry. No, it's him. Like there's a there's it's there's a little love story tucked into it, but he's like. 
want to make a baby? And it's just like, it's all I can remember, and it ruined the whole movie. And so I'm just kind of like, ah, it was just okay. Like, If I ever want out of a relationship, I'm going to try that. Want to make a baby? Anyways, um, let me know. Uh, feedback on us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you saw it, what do you think? It'd be interesting to hear. But um, So anyway, that was fun. We saw that. We come back. We wait for them. The kids come out of the Harry Potter, whatever it is, the magical beast. Is that the- out already? The mystical beast yeah. or the magical beast. Somewhere to find them. Something. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, the movie was good or whatever. And then at that point, it was still bothering my soul that this this kid was denying rap music. All of hip all of hip hop culture, which was what I was raised on. Like I was raised on Yoham TV raps. Like it's so important to me. Like I'm teaching my kids, like, guys, this is quality hip hop here. And you know, I'm trying to guide their lives in the right direction. And along comes this kid trying to like like he, that's not going to happen. So I said, "Look, here's the deal." I looked him in the eye. I said, "Are you open-minded?" He goes, "I like to think so." <laughs> and I said, "I need you to do something for me." I said, "I need you to sit down and listen from beginning to end to a Tribe Called Quest low end theory." It's like their second album. Yeah. I was like, "Just do that for me." I was like, "I think your perspective will change." He was like, "All right, man, I'll do it." <laughs> You're gonna get a call from this kid's mom. <laughs> What did you ask him to listen to? <laughs> so anyway, uh, so that's kind of what we've been watching um, recently. What about uh, we've been working on, man? What's what have you been doing these working the past on. months? We just wrapped up a huge animation project. Yeah, you yeah. you were you've been designing the shit out yeah. of stuff. Kind of, I kind of took a little bit of a break there, but yeah. then as we're rolling in this holiday season, things are picking back up. Sure. But, yeah, there's a. Uh, can we talk? I guess we can talk um, about it. I, I think know. you just said healthcare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. for a healthcare company. And healthcare client. As healthcare goes in America, it's not good e- or easy. <laughs> easy. Yeah, it's uh, they. The government gave them a two month. Right. They probably had all year, but they just decided to do this in the last two months. I'm sure. Could have been. Yeah, but they needed six animations done in two months. Six explainer animations. Yeah. And with- to start off, they're like. Oh, uh, there'd just be like 15 second animations. And then we finally get down to writing the scripts and they're all like two minute animations. Sure. So tell that story. How do you, how did you and Ryan, um, our senior motion designer, how did you tackle, how do you mm-hmm. do six explainer animations in two months? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, if you know animation, like one animation about a minute long is going to take you two months. That's how it works. If you're doing it of yeah, any quality. Of a, of a decent quality. And we we kind of looked at this project. We're always you know a group to say yes to things we don't know how to do and then learn how to do them. But we knew we had the process down. And that was kind of the key to the whole thing. Is once we learned the process and figure out how to iron that all out, once, we, once it came to this project, we just kind of expanded upon it. We ended up hiring six freelancers and uh, six designers uh, or six freelance animations and animators and six freelance designers to knock this sucker out and within two month time we had script went moved on to design made actually a decent design i'm pretty happy with how it turned out yeah i think it looks great did you let me ask you this so did you guys i from what i saw on the outside you guys seem to made you made a switch early on from artist to uh more like executive, like designer slash animator, manage. Like you yeah. guys were managing. You had the you were the quarterback, uh, the, the coach of the operation, mm-hmm. working with a, with a team. Versus normally, you two work together and do the actual work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we're talk about that from a design standpoint, from an animation standpoint. 
what's the challenges that you get when you have to manage a large team to deliver a consistent look and feel versus just doing it with two people? Well, I think the biggest struggle on this one is was the speed in which we had to do it. I mean, we had a week to get together all the designs for all these animations. And usually if I have a bigger team, there's time that, you know, you can receive designs, give feedback, send them to other people and have them work on it. But we just didn't have the luxury of doing that. It just had to be everybody had their assignments and they had to get those done or we were, you know, we were screwed. Um, which kind of ended up happening a little bit. Um, I started off with a lot of illustrators, uh, which are, they were just very solidly in the illustration side, not too much in the actual design side. Um, which they're amazing illustrators, but when I when it came time to com, you know combine all these different illustrators, they had unique styles. It was kind of difficult, so I took some of the illustrations and I I got a new group of uh, actual graphic designers that kind of have a little bit more of a range and took the illustrations and made melted, them you know melted them all together, gotcha. made it look nice across the group. Cool. So as far as that process, was it uh, was it a bigger challenge working with Ryan's side because he was overseeing all the animators? Mm-hmm. What was that workflow to take all of these designs that were stagnant and get them prepped for those guys to actually animate? Well, that was the one thing we forgot to do. <laughs> that was the one thing. So we had their schedule ironed out and perfect and ready to go. We forgot to put a day or so in between to get the actual design files prepared for right. animation. We had animation starting the next day. So that just turned into like two sleepless nights for me of going through, you know. Cleaning everything up. 300 storyboards and cleaning it all up and getting it ready with layers all with names and everything. But I don't know. I think the it's more technically difficult to deal with animators and just more creatively difficult to deal with designers. Gotcha. Like the animators, it was because we have such a wide range of people. And if you ever get an After Effects, everybody has their own style. It's, it's strange to see different project files and how you connect. Like there's a million things, ways to do one one thing, you know, it's not just one right. way to do it. Maybe there's one right way to do it, but everybody has their own approach to it. So it was just kind of to keep consistent moves and feels across everybody as well. Staying on the timeline was pretty crazy. That's crazy. Well, it looks awesome. You guys did a killer job. I can't wait for us to share that with the world. But what what's something that's a takeaway that you can give to the listeners? So you got guys out there listening right now. You know, some are one man bands, some are small shops. You maybe some big shops, but. Um, you know, they're getting ready to tackle a big explainer animation, maybe multiple projects that uh, they can't do themselves. They're using freelancers. What are some takeaways? What are some things that at the end of the day you look back on this project and say, okay, here's here were some big learnings? Mm-hmm. One of the basic things, and this is something you push all the time, is it's about the story. I mean, we're talking about the most boring healthcare things, how to log into your account, change your family info, boring, boring stuff. But the, one, the storyline that, or the, the animation that was the most successful had this little kid character that just kept getting into trouble in the background while his mom was doing all the things on the computer and signing up for healthcare. This little kid was just our storyline through the whole thing. And just having that side story in it made this whole animation something that the entire company loved. Yeah, and I agree. Moving away from their technical thing and just giving it a little bit of human character and feeling to it brought a whole new level to it. So. Yeah, that's great. So focus on story. What about the actual working with freelancers and managing everything? What's the what's the thing that looking back on it, you say, man, I would have done this different. It would have been so much easier. Uh, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but I I would have checked in every day, and I it, and I think that's just because it was such a quick turnaround. And it's not because I want to be you know micromanaging everybody's stuff the whole way through, but. I, I was just overly confident that we were moving forward and we got two, three days out of the schedule mm-hmm. 
that just went black for nothing because I wasn't checking in every day and seeing where the progress was and giving a little bit of feedback. Yeah. And it's just little little check-ins just to see where they're at and say, what if you try this or you know, help them out a little bit. Yeah, that's great. I think that's really insightful. I think those are two great takeaways. Folk, keep your focus on the story, but as your projects, no matter how big or small, don't underestimate the status update, the check-in. That can yeah, really save your butt on any project, whether it's film or animation, all the way through the process. So that's cool, man. That's good. Yeah. Pour you another drink there, son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so me and you've got a project going on. Yeah, I just came, um, came through this week. Man. Yeah. Well, this is uh, we've been working together a lot more this year towards the end of the year. Like Hopefully more and more, too. You've done a lot of animation on with Ryan's side, but now we're starting to work a lot. We just wrapped a kind of a beauty um, hair piece for oh, a brand yeah. that was uh, yeah. kind of an internal piece. So we kind of have um, – I want to take a second to talk about production value. Yeah. This would be a great place to do that. Okay. So, um, in our world, I don't know about you listeners out there, what world you're living in, but we're living in a world in Cincinnati here in the Midwest and with LeapFrame where there's kind of two levels. There's this level of like what we can achieve in house with like our, you know, our small kit of C100 Mark IIs and, you know, LED lights and scrappy sliders and grip gear and all of those tools. And then there's, like, full-on commercial world where you have all of your, your day players, your specialized team, producer, director, AC, grip, gaff, best boy, swingman, all that sort of stuff. Um, grip so cook, we, yeah. we live in this sort of world, these two worlds. So, you know, we did, as we shared on the past of the show, we did the broad, national broadcast spots for the University of Cincinnati. So that's like full-on, area Alexa, uh, full crew, grip truck, craft service, the whole nine, mm-hmm. all in commercial production. And then we have projects that are still really good projects with, you know, budgets from anywhere between 25,000 and, you know, 40, 50,000 that sometimes are in this world of like in the middle. They're like mm-hmm. it's not quite this sort of like in-house project. You're bringing in a DP, you're bringing in some other players, but it's way more scaled back from the full-on commercial. So there's like that world, and then there's like the in-house sort of world of like our branded content, brand documentary style type stuff where we're shooting available light and sort of catching just the essence and the rawness. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, and, and that would be in line with with what I did on my trip to Mexico that me and Alex had talked about before. So um, one of the things that we find really hard is trying to communicate to clients what is the difference in production value. So. A lot of clients don't really understand what they're getting when it comes between a $100,000 shoot and a $50,000 shoot. They they just don't understand. Um, they oftentimes want to, you know, lean towards a lower budget. They think, oh, well, you know, if you're saying you can do it for this, then let's do it for that. But maybe they're not making the connection to the quality. And so it's just this game we play. So anyway, I tasked you to help create an infograph. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this on the air that we're going to make this available to the public, but something visually that would connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you've been doing. And it's actually, it looks amazing. It turned out pretty nice. It looks amazing. We're, so, real close. Um, we're about to wrap that thing up. So talk real quick, like visually how looks, you, you yeah. formatted to try to communicate this idea so mm-hmm. that people understand the difference between like, hey, look at all this energy it takes to create this 
one product, but and here's mm-hmm. how this we can do it this way, but it's less energy, but it's also less quality. Mm-hmm. Well, right away, I mean, the, the purpose is just to get the idea across, and it's impossible to. I think what we've been trying to avoid is saying one is worse than the other, which is not. It's not. Uh, it, it, yes, is, it is. It's, it's a yes and no sort of thing. It's like, an aesthetic. Obviously, yes, one has better quality, but neither are bad. Right. We're, we're bringing premium, you know, great things to both, but one definitely has a better quality versus the other. Right. And we, we've gotten so lost in this world where people are like, oh, yeah, I got this, you know, niece or nephew with an iPhone that does great videos. It's like, right. yeah, I'm sure they can achieve a level. And that's why we've kind of got muddled between all this world. So to clarify, we you had our uh, illustrator, Danny, yep. knock out some awesome illustrations that I put in. Yes. And... So right away, we have a breakdown of the actual equipment, people, and, you know, items that you're going to see on either the shoes. Yes. And we made up terms for it, like, so standard and premium. We did. So let's talk about that for a second. This is going to be a new thing, guys. This this is a a thing. thing. Help us sell it in. We are we are recommending, we are just going to move forward in our world over here. We're calling it now. And start calling things standard production. And premium production, okay? Because the world of commercial and web, the world of internal, external, doesn't exist anymore. It's blurred. It's blurred lines. It doesn't exist. You can have a broadcast commercial that looks horrible, and you can have a web commercial that looks amazing. You can have people who've put millions of dollars into something that only lives on the internet, like, you know, for instance, the trailer for the Jay-Z and Beyonce tour, or the trailer that Burberry did for their lookbook only exists on the internet, but they spent probably $3 million to produce it. It never hits broadcast. So the mm-hmm. old days of, all oh, a lot of money goes into making something broadcast ready and not much money goes into making something for, quote, YouTube, those days are over. So you can have high-end, expensive, premium content on either web or broadcast. So let's just go ahead and acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Also, we can go ahead and acknowledge that probably there are more eyes on the internet than there are on broadcast. Yep. People who only watch broadcast are starting to die, and most all of us that are 40 and under watch everything on our phones or our laptops or stream it, and mm-hmm. we don't even own cable. So digital and online is you know really the new broadcast. Um, when you start talking about internal versus external, when you look at companies like Google and Apple, some of their internal videos are probably twice as good as any broadcast commercial for some companies. Yeah. So the fact that it's internal or external now is still subjective. Yeah. It depends on how much money you have and who you are. So we decided to start calling it standard and premium. And mm-hmm. we want to invite the rest of the filmmaking community to join in that because everyone knows standard is, hey, this is the baseline. This is this is a standard procedure. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad. It's not poor. It's not less than. It's just, hey, this is the standard. And then premium indicates that we're going above and beyond the standard of HD and, and or 4K or whatever the standard is. We're going above and beyond it to achieve something that's premium. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we decided to approach it. Yeah. So on on the top of this whole infograph, you're going to see a nice breakdown, illustrations of every item that you would uh, typically bring to either of these shoots. Crew size. Yeah, crew size. Cameras. Cameras, equipment, lenses. Lighting. Yeah. Craft service. Mm-hmm. Are you eating a granola bar or do you have a full spread? Mm-hmm. Um, time management. Is this thing going to come together in two days or is it two weeks of planning? Mm-hmm. 
a lot of comparative things that are kind of breaking this down. And it's going to happen visually. It's going to have descriptions amongst it. But then you did the craziest thing that I've ever seen before. <laughs> you got like uh, Albert Einstein on me, beautiful mind, and you started writing numbers all over the office. And you start asking me all of these pricing questions. And you're like, Brandon, how much would it be for this? How much would it be for a half-day shoot? How much would it be for a full-day shoot? And I'm looking at you like you're literally out of your mind. <laughs> he kept going, Brandon, how much would it be if we did a one-day shoot, but we wanted this quality? How much for a half-day shoot at this quality? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, we would never do that. And we would, yeah, we would do that, but like, I didn't have answers. Mm-hmm. And you were basically wanting me to price out and run every possible scenario of any production we've ever done. Mm-hmm. And I thought, literally, you were out of your mind. Yeah. Well, this this whole session came about because I think <laughs> twice in a row we had meetings where we sat down with people. Clients. Like, yeah, clients. We want to do this. We have these you know, 18 scenes in mind where this father and son are yeah. having a field day and all yeah, these three things. days, yeah. three days of shooting. And they're like, and we have, you know, $40,000. I'm like, no. Nah. Right. Or they're like, what's that going to cost? Yeah. No idea. And, and you came up with the crazy idea. <laughs> you said, what if? What if I could take all of the existing data from every project you've ever approached and priced out and built it into a grid with a formula that would allow you to easily find out a ballpark estimate of what it should cost? And we're, we're hoping this is we're, – we're not sure yet. We're going we're gonna to put it out there as a little tester and let you guys you know give your two cents and see what additions or changes we need. But – we're hoping this can be a tool that you can literally give to your clients or give to anybody at a design firm or any uh, production firms, and they can get a rough idea of the budget that they're going to need to create whatever video there. And I know there's millions of variables variables in film. I mean, we couldn't right. – if we tried to put them all in there, it would be impossible. But it's just kind of a, a basic idea. And what I ended up breaking down to, the biggest things were runtime of the film. Um yep. And I thought it was going to be number of location, but it's really number of days on shoot. Yep. And we, we kind of broke down how many locations you could do per standard and premium per half day, full day. Right. Like and you in yeah. like for instance in a in a one day shoot, you might be able to comfortably get three locations. Yeah. So we broke that down, making your you know maximum there. And all you have to do is go through this little flow chart and say you know I have a shoot that's going to take one full day or you know three locations, and uh, the final run times between 60 and 120 seconds, and it'll bring you to a number. And then I have a whole other section that's kind of additional things. Like right. So, so essentially, you start with a base number, like, say, five, and then based on the quality, the technicality, the difficulty, a lot of other factors, it's either a plus one or a plus two or a zero, and you end up with a number. So let's say your number's 10. If you're on the standard production track – your ten might equate to fifteen to twenty thousand in range, and so that's how you look at your pricing. If you're mm-hmm. on the premium track, that same track might put you into the fifty to seventy-five thousand dollar range. Either way, we're still testing it; it's beta, but it's a beautiful thing. It would be nice. It I was. Mean, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, so, the goal is that people outside of film can go into meetings about film production and have a basic idea of what they're doing. Yeah, because we're really designing this for the agency world, mm-hmm. for account coordinators and people in agencies who don't know that they could literally walk through a flow chart that's very easy, very pretty, very 
interesting to look at and end up with a ballpark that that as a production company you would say, all right, we can work with that. I mean, another thing it could do too, which is fantastic, is making people be more intelligent with their budgets. Absolutely. So they they only have fifty grand to do thing. Instead of doing a you know twenty location shoot, what if we do you know full studio production on just one location? Sure. You know, it's about figuring out averaging all these little pieces to make it fit right. Or if people go into budget planning, they could follow the flowchart and realize, oh, I need to have more budgeted than 20000 Exactly. I need to budget 100000 mm-hmm. to gain a, a premium quality. So anyway, crazy stuff. That's been a lot of fun, actually. I mm-hmm. think it, you know a lot of the work we've done, you've redone all our contracts. You've mm-hmm. redone all of our statement of work uh, documents. You've redone basically everything. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming uh, – that's one takeaway I would give to you guys is take the time to get your documents right, everything from your uh, your subcontractor agreements to your personal release forms, location release forms, statement of work, all of that stuff. Get it looking right. Get it buttoned up because here's why. It A, it makes you look professional. B, it saves you so much time. So, for yeah. instance – Kyle and I are working on a project with a candy company. They want to do a holiday commercial, web commercial for uh, a candy company. And when it was time to write the SOW, Kyle just dialed up the document and swapped out some verbiage. Mm-hmm. And the end result is a really good-looking SOW that's consistent to the brand, has all the things in there. It keeps you from... Uh, you know, missing something, you know, kind of the C- CYA clauses are in there so you don't get screwed. And um, what it does is it allows you to spend more time on what really matters, which is the creative ideation, mm-hmm. the pre-production, the planning, and ultimately the stuff that is going to affect the outcome versus some of the, the minutia. Yeah, and, that, and that's really what it's doing. Is it's taking all the, the questions out of the whole process. Yeah, you know your process. Yeah, you know what you're doing. But if you have it all laid out perfectly in a contract or a statement of work that your client can also see, they're not bugging you as much to say, what's next? What's happening next? And you're not having to tell them as much what's happening next or what right. you can expect next. It's just all there and ready to go. So only thing we're doing is either you know en- entering a few words on this uh, document and doing all the creative work, the things we yeah. want to do rather than the things we don't want to do. Absolutely. The other thing that I think um, you guys might, if you don't know about it, you should know about, what's the, when it came to designing storyboards, we work a lot with Danny Dufford, who's a killer storyboard artist. Amazing. Google him, check him out. He does great work. Um, but he introduced us to, is it called Sketchbook? It's uh, Sketchbook Pro. Sketchbook Pro, which is this software that's pretty efficient. And so since Danny uses it, we also got it, and uh, Kyle's been able to, well, you tell them how. Like today, like we needed a change from Danny, mm-hmm. and we got there really fast. But it was because you were able to kind of like rough it, it in. It was just a simple change where we move somebody from a couch to standing up and holding this item. And instead of calling Danny and saying, "Oh, you know, the third board, we need to move that guy, and he's gonna be standing off to the left," all I did was went in the program, erased the guy real quick, and did a crappy little stick figure drawing real quick with the item where it needed to be, exactly where I wanted it in the frame. Hit save and sent it over to Danny. Five minutes later, he had a beautiful, you know, yeah, sketch storyboard frame. done. And we had the meeting an hour ago, and we're yeah. already sending the client exactly what we were talking right. about in the meeting. And so you guys were working from the later. same file, right? Yeah. So the beautiful thing was, and I think the takeaway here is, you know, be smart with your software. If you have vendors, whether it's your colorist, whether it's your 
storyboard artist, whatever, if you guys can be on the same platform and it's just a matter of then updating the file name or the file version, I mean, you can move so quick. And so... Yeah, we're seeing this too on the animation side. Like, uh, um, we, we keep going back between uh, Whipster.io and then... What's the other one? Frame.io? Frame.io. So Frame.io just released... If you guys aren't familiar with Frame.io or Whipster.io... I think they are. They probably are. All right. Yeah. You can comment on your videos in live time. But... Frame.io just introduced a whole integration into After Effects itself. Right. And so Whipster did, too. Did they really? Mm-hmm. Well. They're, they're neck and neck. Those guys are, like, battling it out. <laughs> Doing the same. It's yeah. awesome. But that that's amazing. Because now when we have, let's say we have these six freelance animators working, um, instead of us, you know, making these lists with numbers of where to look to, we can literally dial it right into the program they're working on in. And they know exactly what changes we want, exactly perfect, you know, no fuss, no problems. Yeah. There's nothing more annoying than reading through a 40-paged uh, email that's been yeah. CC'd and marked, up, know, on, yeah, marked yeah. up a million times and trying to figure out what corrections you're making to keep something. It, yeah, keep it simple. So keeping it simple and straightforward. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's some good stuff in there, guys. So you're going to have to dig into this podcast, pull some of that out, start applying it to your lives. Um but ultimately, this project, which we were just talking about the storyboards, this candy company holiday piece, um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be good. So yeah. you're gonna you're the art director. This is awesome. Yeah. Slash AD, slash director, slash... It's basically your baby oh, yeah. at this point. I think yeah. you're... Um, and so I, the initial idea was that there was going to be people at a holiday party. They're opening these gifts. Um, and they're sort of like traditional holly... I was going to say Hollywood holiday chaos everybody's like you know pinterest ready over the top outfits and then the the end result is essentially two people who are more down to earth who realize that it's it doesn't have to be this complicated and they share a simple moment through this simple candy Mm -hmm. so that's we'll leave it at that so we decided that it would be fun to make that come to life um i think i'm convinced and my vision is that it's going to be a single shot so I've got it set up where we're in a living room. Everything is happening. We're going to take, put the camera on a doorway dolly, and it's going to be a single push to our landing spot, and we pass these wonderful characters along the way, ripping open presents and everything, shooting at a high frame rate. So uh, based on budgetary reasons, what was available, we landed on shooting with the Sony FS7. Mm-hmm. Uh with the Odyssey, which is like a, I think it's a hard drive type thing. To be honest, I'm not completely sure. Well, capturing, but yeah. a capture device. Um, and so with that, we can achieve 240 frames per second. So, but when you shoot something at a high frame rate, the time of the final result is going to be different. So, one of the first thing we had to do is we had to figure out the calculation. So if we shoot one second of video at 240 frames per second, it's going to play back at X amount. So in this case, I think it was eight seconds. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Basically, it was like 240. It's 10 seconds per one second. 240 divided by your playback frame rate. If you're doing rate. 24 frames per yeah. second, it's going to be 10 seconds per one, one, yeah, one second of shooting. I think it's 240 divided by 24, 24. equals. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we're solid on the math here. <laughs> solid. So anyway, well, the funny thing there is we, we had we to figure that out. We started out thinking we're going to need a phantom to do this. Then yeah. we actually do the math, and we're like, we do a phantom, we're going to have one second to achieve everything we want to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. 
instead or we, we well don't and we just didn't yeah. and we didn't have the budget to, to yeah. go with the phantom and all the the stuff that comes with that um so anyway we're going to shoot sony fs7 um ef mount on our in-house glass that fits our budget with um with you know a light package uh for grip and light um and so that's where we landed so uh the art direction. What are you thinking? Like you're 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 kind of on that right now. I think we can talk loosely about that. But yeah. how gaudy is this going to get? Or are, what are you really trying to achieve? I'm I'm, I'm getting pretty excited. It's going to be. I definitely have to go thrift shopping and find a lot <laughs> of quirky little things. Um, but we're looking at a lot of the idea is like people that really get into these little crafts and Christmas things. Pinterest. Pinterest. That's really the focus. Pinterest people. uh, There's a whole wave of Pinterest fails and we're going to play off that idea and see how many of these Pinterest, like terrible Pinterest ideas, like the one I think it's a good throw in or I I see, I've seen like three years in a row now, girls doing this reindeer makeup (laughs) at these parties. And I mean, it's cute, but it's like, all right, yeah. why are you dressed up to get makeup? Real, they're for, getting real into it. Yeah, real into it. Uh, so yeah. weird things like that, like snowman dresses and yeah. definitely the, the ugly sweaters we're, gonna, we're throwing in there. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, we're, we're going to have some fun with it. I feel uh, like maybe you're going to find you a little reindeer. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> so it, it should be a lot of fun. And um, again, it's one of those things where you know we, we scoped this project in two ways. One was... Sweet shoot for the stars. You know, we had uh, you know, quite a few zeros on the back end of the of the quote, and it was going to enable us to do whatever we wanted: uh, Fisher Dolly, full truck, HMIs, Red Weapon, whatever we wanted. We had budgeted for. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the route we went. So we're adapting to that, and so we're still going to create or the client. Yeah, really. we're going to create a, a great piece of content. And we're just going to get there a different way. So um, we're really excited to pull that off, and we got a great team at the table. Uh, so anyway, it's a lot of fun. We uh, can't wait to share that with you guys. Um, so that's kind of what we've been up to. Um, what are you excited about, man? Is there anything that you're like, you know, it's coming up, kind of uh, pumped up about, or? Well, there's some movies coming out that I'm excited for, and then yeah. there's a project coming up that I'm excited for. We're finally getting to the point. Well, on the animation side of sure, our, sure. our company. We just did this huge healthcare project, and we have, I think, two two new clients in the pipeline right now. Three, three. I think three. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Well, and, and we both decided we're trying to get to a point where we can get freelancers doing a lot of these gigs that we don't really need to be doing. That, right, smaller gigs that we know how to manage yeah. and we know how to get a quality cross that they want. Well, it's just it's just a matter of uh, we're learning how to scale, so we're 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 blessed at this point to get. You know, we're in a position where, you know, we're getting mm-hmm. more projects in that we can actually produce between three guys. Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at those and evaluating, okay, which ones need our expertise? And then the ones that we think we can manage outside, we're using our partners and scaling that way. Mm-hmm. So. And we're, we're starting, because of that, we're, we're starting to do what something that you're pretty good at is every now and then picking up a passion project. You're, you're awesome at it. You you take you do a bunch of you know paid work and then you're like I, I need to do something that I want right. to do that you know is your vision and all you and we're starting to do that it's a little bit more difficult on the animation side because it's a lot of planning and a lot of right. time that's just you can't make it up for um, and so we're pulling up this uh, our our animator Ryan's always been passionate about monarchs. Well, pod- he's like in general. He's like connected. I've always oh, yeah. said he is one with the earth. Like very, he's very much sandal wearing, vegetarian, guru. sandal yeah. wearing. He loves 
plants and farms and bees and butterflies and all that stuff. I, I think a little part of him died when I told him I wasn't a vegetarian anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it did. <laughs> well, just a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, so he's he's passionate in all of those things, and evidently, like the the monarchs are dying, right? Or they're or dead. Ninety percent of their population has fallen off in the last. The world's five ending. Years. The monarchs are dead, and it's all because uh, we're clearing out all these like fields of just overgrown grass. And those can build strip malls. Yeah, strip malls and parking lots and whatever. fail and then turn into liquor stores and weird stuff. Or, I mean, or it's just like suburban areas and they just don't want tall, ugly grass. Right. But one of the things that grows there is milkweed, which is actually like for a weed has this beautiful little flower on it. Yeah. And that's where all marsh plant or lay their eggs or caterpillars uh, turn into butterflies. Right. And so those are disappearing and they can't reproduce and, you know grow as a population so right. we're going to create an animation pushing people to plant more of this basically leap frame is bringing back the monarchs oh yeah oh yeah we're bringing we're bringing them back single-handedly if, if you see them come back in the next four years just think leap frame <laughs> if they go extinct just forget we yeah ever forget this. we even yeah. said it yeah the, the wolves came back in uh in north america and we're bringing the monarchs there we go so so yeah, that, well, that's cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, you guys are. I saw you guys been messing around with some stuff. Yeah, um, doing it all in ideas. the style of Charlie Harper, who's kind of a Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, icon. A lot of very geometric shapes, yeah. sort of. Thing. That's cool. But for movies, yeah, I'm sure you guys have already talked about this. We have not, but I know what you're getting ready to say. La La Land. No, but I'm so delighted that you just said that. What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say Rogue One. Oh, yeah. That's coming out the same weekend. Same weekend. Because man. most filmmakers are going to be like, oh, Rogue One. And here I am in my lonesome guy who loves rom-coms and little quirky independent oh. films. And I'm just like, I cannot wait to see La La Land. So the fact that you said that gives me hope in the world. That I'm so excited. That the world is okay. We actually got to see. We went to the Off uh, Design Festival yeah. a couple months ago. And we got to see, what was his name? He was the uh, art director, right? Or one of the designers. He, the guy he's like, he, he's he an draws, art director for draws storyboards for Wes Anderson, yeah. Woody Allen. He did the he created the whole design of the Budapest Hotel. Yeah. So all of that was him. But he created some of the uh, pre- preliminary design for La La Land, these watercolors, which are absolutely yeah. beautiful. And they, he thought they were going to be turned into sets, typically what art direction does. Yeah. But in these uh, dream sequences in the movie, all they ended up doing was just taking these preliminary watercolors yeah. blown up life size and putting them as the background which is amazing so he has like four or five of these watercolors he did just as set ideas yeah. as actual backgrounds in this whole thing which is awesome. really cool yeah I cannot wait to see it. I told my wife we were watching Arrival I was in the trailer came on I was like I really want to see that I was like we need to get your parents to watch the kids mm-hmm so, yeah, that's good. That gives me hope. You know what? Because I, I feel like the movies, I feel like cinema has been ruined by Marvel and and Disney. There's a lot of and formula. There's stuff just, uh, I mean, it's just like, seriously, guys, we we can't make another superhero movie or another over-sensationalized, like, please just make something smart and witty and, you know, mm-hmm. still for me, the best movie in the past two years is me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Oh, solid movie. It's man. a great movie. Solid movie. Um, and it's just it's just smart and it's it's witty and it's it's good. So anyway, that gives me hope. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. No, I'm so excited. Uh, I will say though, in all respect, although I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, the Rogue One stuff does look pretty good. Oh, it looks I, pretty interesting. I was not at first was not excited about it. Yeah. Especially since when they said you know, I thought J.J. Abrams was making all the new movies. I didn't right. realize this can be different director on each one. Which 
isn't a huge deal. I was just kind of looking forward to seeing his take on all of them. Yeah. But who's directing Rogue One? I'm not sure. Now I would see any Star Wars movie directed by Darren Aronofsky because be I feel like it would be amazing. But <laughs> I don't know. Rogue One, the, the potential it has, yeah, is amazing because it's the first one, you know, splitting from the actual story. Well, it's actually still part of the storyline, but it's not right. the same character. Essentially, group. though, if this one kills at the box office. They have a blank check <laughs> yeah. because They're they can have endless. They Star can Wars make up whatever story they yeah. want. They yep. can just be like, "Oh, this is a the it's side story of the before Boba Fett was even thought of." Oh, and and blah, it's blah, already blah. there. Have you seen all yeah. the fan fiction written around yeah. Star Wars? There's a whole like aisle at Barnes and Noble about it. Yeah, like it's it's, it's already crazy. available. They already have the stories done. So it's crazy. Yeah. That's cool. I don't awesome, know if I man. want to see that though. <laughs> there needs to be an end to everything. You I can't agree. Just can't I trailing this stuff along. Agree. Um, cool, man. Well, uh, it's been fun catching up. It's been a while. Not bad. Um, a couple things I want to tell. I don't even know if you know this. Uh, a couple things we're working on here at the show. Um, one, we we have a producer now. Hooray. Frank, the man of steel. All right. Frank Steele. Um, so we're working with him on helping to pull the show together, make sure we don't miss episodes, make sure things are happening. We want to you know make that happen as you know things get busy. Uh, and we also are going to expand the community. We're going to start opening things up to um, other contributors to the podcast. So we started the uh, FDB Slack group on Slack. That If you uh, go to fdbpodcast.com, you can request an invite to the Slack group. It's a community of filmmakers on Slack. Through that, we've got over 77 filmmakers on Slack right now. Mm-hmm. So growing really fast. And we tapped into our Slack community and we have a couple people that are going to be guest contributors to the podcast. So they're going to actually do the podcast. So we've got um, Wes out in Southern California. Nice. He's going to be doing an episode, and he's kind of a one-man band guy, does it all, uh, shoots, cuts, films, animation. Um, he's younger, so he's going to bring a fresh perspective, and he's going to have you know some guests out there. So I think it's going to be really refreshing to hear – firsthand from other places in the country and from other points of view, you know, people that have other, you know, ways that they work and gear that they work with. So uh, we got him. Uh, We have another gentleman, I believe, from Tampa, Florida. Nice. So so that's going to be cool. And then we're looking to line up more. Uh, We'd love to hit somebody, um, you know, maybe in the mountain states. Uh, So, again, this isn't going to be, you know, every week's not going to be a new – group of people but when things get busy with me and alex and we can't keep the show uh going um we're going to then lean on some of our other contributors and we'll work in an episode from uh you know one of those guys in in a different state and i think that'll be really refreshing for you guys to hear hey what are people doing in these other states and you know to hear from a guy like wes who's who's younger and he's you know trying to make it all happen himself and he started his own business that's just another point of view that i think you know you listeners will be able to say oh that was really refreshing to hear his struggles and to hear his successes so i hope you guys appreciate that we're really uh, i know you love it whenever we bring on uh, crew on the show whenever we interview gaffers and producers you guys always respond really well so we want to expand that and just bring some different points of view from across the country so yeah I mean, we'll build them with that if you guys have yeah. a unique perspective. or I think it's cool. Yeah. So um, so that's coming, uh, and we just want to get to a place where, you know, if I, if I have a dream, 
not to give a speech here, <laughs> but if I have a dream, uh, I dream of a day when this community is is just overflowing. And you know, how amazing would it be that at any point in time we could call on our community to produce an episode from anywhere in the country and add a unique point of view? How cool would it be one day? This is a dream of mine. How cool would it be that we we would have local meetup groups? That you know, hey, we're gonna have an FDB meetup in uh, Portland, um, where everybody drinks bourbon and talks film, talks shop, and the common connection is this podcast and the show. And whoever some of the local contributors are are there live and in person. I just think there's a big potential mm-hmm. to really expand this community, really support each other, encourage each other, um, and learn from each other and help each other. You know, a place with a network that's so strong. Where if I'm filming in LA or Nebraska. I've got people I can call on to come out and grip, gaff, DP. I just think, you know, that could be really cool. So we'll see. I'm planting seeds now. I'm planting the seeds. We're going to grow. We're gonna, <laughs> when, when the monarchs come back and start to hatch their eggs, we might see this thing happen. But um, we're taking baby steps to get there. So, uh, But, again, until then, thanks again, for guys, for listening. Sorry we haven't had a couple episodes the past couple weeks. I um, hope you've enjoyed this one. And... Uh, Thanks so much, Kyle, for coming on the show. No problem. It's man. always great to uh, hear your point of view, to have a designer sitting in with us. Um, and if you pour the bourbon, I will come. Yeah, exactly. And uh, have a great holiday season. Uh, be careful out there. Don't drink too much. Don't eat too much. Steer away from political conversations. <laughs> I feel like that could get dangerous. Save some pie for um, me. Save some pie. And we will see you guys on the flip side. Um, not quite sure what's going to happen in December with the holidays and craziness, but um, we will keep you up to date on Twitter and Instagram. Also, I'm going to be releasing uh, probably tonight or tomorrow the winner of the Westcott uh, Cine Scrim giveaway. Uh, we've delayed on that. We've been busy, but I'm going to post that tonight. I'll do the drawing, so be on the lookout for that. I'm going to shut up now. Toast my friend over here. Cheers, Happy man. Thanksgiving, buddy. Happy Thanksgiving. This podcast was recorded live at Sound Images Studio. Find out more at soundimages.com.